You are Locked On Buccaneers, your daily Tampa Bay Buccaneers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Forfeit the game before somebody else takes you out of the frame. Put your name to shame, cover up your face. You can't run the race, the pace is too fast, you just won't last. What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back to the Locked On Bucks podcast. I am David Harrison. Unfortunately, James Yarko couldn't be here with me tonight. However, we've got a special guest, a friend of the show. You've heard him before if you listen to the crossover series. I'm joined by the host of Locked On Panthers, Bill Rossetti. Bill, how are you doing? I'm doing great, David. Glad to talk to you guys again. I got to see you guys at the Combine. It was a real good time, so glad to catch up a bit here. Yeah, Indianapolis was a good time, fun time, hectic time. Um, I found yeah. myself surrounded by a lot of Panthers people uh, for some reason quite often. Um, not just, you know, when I when I kind of snuck into Ron Rivera's press conference. Uh, I say mm-hmm. snuck in like it wasn't an open forum. But just throughout the week, man, I don't know. Like I look over my shoulder and there you are. I look over my other shoulder. There's Jordan and, you know, so on and so forth. I met a lot of Panthers media people. So it was, it was good to meet all of you guys. And, yeah, so good to talk to you again. How How is – uh? How overall, how are you feeling about the Panthers draft uh, draft class right now? I thought it was a pretty good one. Yeah, I, I thought they hit a lot of the biggest needs that they went into the draft. They got their their big time edge rusher, the young young edge rusher that they really needed. They got their backup quarterback. They got a running back. They got they hit up a couple needs. The only spot they didn't really touch was safety, but you know they could they could possibly address that here after the draft. But overall, I thought they did a, a pretty decent job getting getting a lot of their targets. I want to rewind and, you know, Bucks fans need to care about the Panthers because this is the division that we, that we live in. This is the team that we're going to face twice every year. And Bill is, is one of the, the smartest guys related to the Panthers out there. So definitely need to take in all the insight he has. So you know how to expect uh, the Buccaneers to approach the Carolina Panthers. Now let's go back to the, the end of the season. Uh, Ryan Khalil it was known, right? I mean, from my understanding, it was known before the season even really got started or early on that this was his last last trip around the NFL globe, right? Yep, yep, yeah. We we knew this was kind of Khalil's swan song, so it was a it was a nice way for him to go out. You know, nice to see him stay healthy for most of the season and kind of good go out on a high note. But yeah, we 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 knew going in that uh, he would be gone, and center would be a, a big position of need going into this offseason. Yeah, definitely. I mean, and and from my understanding, that's the only starting center that Cam Newton has ever had. I understand, like I know, you know, Ryan missed some time with injuries and, and so on and so forth. But as a starting franchise center, Ryan Khalil has been it, right? Pretty much, yeah. Like like you said, he had some injuries, so Tyler Larson has stepped in a little bit. But uh, it's it's really been the, the Ryan Khalil show. You know, there's been a lot of connection there between Cam and Khalil, a uh, longtime Panther, definitely one of the greats. So. Uh, Pretty sad to see him go. He'll, like I said, he'll go down as one of the Panthers' greats, but um, you know the the injuries just kind of piled up on him, and age was obviously becoming a factor. So nice for him to go out on a on a pretty high note, you know, playing playing as well as he did last year. Yeah. So, and not the only Panther to leave, unfortunately, after the 2018 season. So Ryan Khalil, obviously, we just talked about Julius Peppers, another one, Thomas Davis, Devin Funchess, and then Matt Khalil. I don't know if Matt. I'm really throwing Matt in the, into the mix just because of the last name and, and kind of the connection. I know he was injured all of last year, but uh, I mean, out of those guys, which one do you think is really singularly the biggest loss for your, for your team right now? Uh, Julius Peppers left a big hole in the, uh, in the pass rush department until, until they fixed that in the draft. But uh, with Peppers going out, the Panthers really didn't have a lot in the pass rush department for most of the off season. I mean, despite being, 
nearly 40 years old. Julius Peppers was playing outstanding football, you know, still getting a, a quality number of sacks for as much playing time as he was getting. And then, I mean, Thomas Davis, you know, just that veteran leadership, just the, just everything he brought to the table for the Panthers, both on and off the field, he'll sorely be missed. Um, but, you know, nice to see him still, still playing around. You know, obviously he signed with the Chargers, so nice to see he's still hanging around, but yeah. that's definitely going to be a tough loss. It was tough knowing that the Panthers weren't going to resign him. So we kind of saw it coming, but uh, I know Panthers fans are still feeling a little bittersweet that, uh, that Thomas Davis is not wearing Panther blue anymore. He's now wearing the powder blue out in Los Angeles. Yeah, definitely. I can definitely uh, understand that. I mean, Julius Peppers, Thomas Davis, two classic Panthers. I know Julius left there for a little while uh, to play out in Green Bay before coming back. But I mean, when he came back, yeah. it's like, you know, it's almost like he never left. He just kind of picked up where he left off. So almost like an exactly. identity thing. And as you know, I don't know if Buccaneers fans know, we're, we're our teams are kind of in the, in the midst of the same type of transition because the Carolina Panthers are also moving to a 3-4 base defense, right? There's some talk that they want to switch their base, yeah. I think you might see a lot of mixed fronts. You might see a little bit of uh, versatility. But, yeah, there have been some rumblings that the Panthers want to move to a 3-4. You know, Ron Rivera now is going to kind of have his hands all over this defense. You know, ever since Steve Wilkes left and then Eric Washington tried to take over last year. Uh, that didn't work out so hot. Ron Rivera ended up taking it over himself later in the season. So yeah, I think, I think you're going to start to see a little bit more, uh, a little bit more versatility or a little more um, of a mix up between their front. So it's really the personnel they have, how they kind of mix and match, you know, who, if they do go to a three, four, who are going to be the three down linemen and who's, who's going to be standing up at linebacker. You know, you've got some guys here, uh, not just from this, the guys they brought in this year, but even, last year's draft class that looked to be a couple of pass rush specialists that if they do go to a, a three, four, you have a couple options that you could put at those, uh, at those outside linebacker positions. So it's, it's really going to be intriguing. I think as we go through this preseason, how they, how they utilize everybody. Versatility. I mean, that's, you, you said the word, I think that's kind of the big point of it. I know we all know that base defense is really more of a, more of a letterhead these days than it is really the kind of the entire body of work. But uh, that's just one reason that I, I really love the pick that you guys made uh, there at number 16 this this season. Uh, but before we get to the draft quite yet, uh, Matt Paradis. So like you said, center yeah. with, with Matt Khalil going out or uh, Ryan Khalil, sorry, going out, uh, retiring. Center was a, was a big deal. Matt Paradis comes in from Denver, uh, gets paid a nice little chunk of chain, but not change, but not the highest paid center. I think that was kind of an important detail uh, to the money part because we all know free agency is the time where people overspend uh, for mm -hmm. talent. But John Elway came out when when uh, when you guys signed him and said that the reason they didn't want to pay that kind of money, even though he didn't, you know, uh, uh, clips wood there in uh, in Buffalo, is because of his ankle. Is there any concern kind of around the Panthers about Paradis and his his uh, health moving forward? I don't think so. I haven't really heard any uh, anything negative. I think Caroline is pretty happy, and uh, this was actually a bit of a surprising move because it, not not just that they signed him but more the fact that Carolina kind of swept in seemingly at the last minute. Um, yeah. There was, a, I think, a couple other teams. I forget, I forget exactly. I want to say Denver, and for some reason I want to say Baltimore was in the mix. I could be wrong. But then all of a sudden it popped up that Carolina signed him. And um, I mean, it's a big move. Uh, Paradise, I know, is 
uh, I believe was one of the, the top centers on pro football focus. So big, big move there. I, th- I think, you know, you, you come from uh, a strong run game. You, you saw how well Denver ran the ball and Paris, this of course was a, a big, big part of that. So I think him coming to Carolina, getting the block for Christian McCaffrey, I, th- I think is, uh, I think it's really going to be exciting. You know, it's, it's obviously not the, the sexy free agent move, you know, no one really looks at offensive linemen or even defensive linemen and, uh, you know, go crazy over these kind of signings. But I think him, his skill set really is going to work really well in this offense. So I'm excited to see him work with, uh, with Cam Newton holes for McCaffrey and all the running backs. And I really like the move too. I mean, uh, so I'm from Denver or the Denver area. So I have some ties back there and I have a lot of friends who are Broncos fans and so I kind of keep, you know, one foot in the Broncos pool a little bit and just kind of pay attention. And he's a guy that, honestly, I was kind of surprised to, to, to think that Denver would let him walk out the door. Um, not as easily. I mean, they were in talks to resign him, like you said, but the Panthers made him a much better offer. And, and uh, I, you know, I don't, I don't blame, I don't blame Matt for, for doing it at all. And what I really liked about it is, you know, kind of the, the worry that I was looking at your roster with that veteran presence at the center position and, and with Cam Newton and kind of having that connectivity. Matt's a guy who's dealt with a lot of different quarterbacks in Denver. So, I mean, he's a guy who who he he probably is going to bring in that versatility and that ability to really work and get along with any quarterback with whatever Cam sees, whatever Cam wants to do, and however they decide to, to make that thing work. And then, like you said, kind of being that centerpiece of a running game in Denver that really wasn't supposed to do what it did with an undrafted free agent being kind of the showcase piece to their, to their running game. Imagine now what, I mean, with Christian McCaffrey, uh, especially after that photo that went on social media, has got everybody all kinds of yeah how excited. Yeah, yeah, man. I mean, that's uh, uh, if Buccaneers defensive linemen weren't preparing for the season yet, they definitely, hopefully, went as soon as they saw that picture. They closed Twitter and went straight to the weight room uh, right, after that one. Up, uh, VFA a little bit there too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it should be it should be fun. I mean, Christian McCaffrey, he's a Colorado kid too. So I mean, uh, I've, I've got some yeah. love for him just from from those ties and. Uh, you know, obviously, I, I hate to see it when they when they're gashing the bucks for some of those yards, but uh, man, you can't you can't deny how exciting that is. Um, yep. And then speaking of excitement, man, I mean, tell me about Brian Burns. What was your reaction when when uh, the Panthers went on the clock? Was was Brian the guy that you had in mind when the 16th pick came around? And uh, what did you think when the when the call was made? Interestingly enough, um, you know, we all love to do mock drafts. We know they're a fun exercise, and we know they like they always blow up in their face very quickly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I do like to pat myself on the back a little bit that in my final first round mock, I did actually have the Panthers taking Brian Burns. Nice. Uh, this was, yeah. So I'll, I'll, I'll be praising that a while. Uh, so th- this to me was a, a no brainer, you know, especially with, uh, I, I think for, in my, in my opinion, it was likely down to, Burns and Andre Dillard because of course Jonah Williams was off the board and a, a couple of the edge guys were off the board. I mean Montez Sweat was still on the board, but obviously there was a little bit of a concern with Sweat. I, I mean I guess there were some teams that had some sort of worry with him since he fell all the way to the the twenty sixth pick. But I mean Brian Burns just is a fantastic edge defender. We we saw how dominant he was at Florida State. We know just how athletic he is, how quick he can get to the quarterback. He's just exactly what the Panthers needed. They they needed that. You know, they've they've tried with a couple of draft picks over the last couple of years. You know, mm-hmm. Deshaun Hall was the first mm-hmm. one that comes to mind uh, in the third round a couple of years ago. They've tried getting these young defensive ends that 
really haven't worked out. So they almost had to really consider an edge in, in the first round, either edge or an offensive tackle. And to me, if it comes down to, you know, between edge and a tackle edge is going to win every time. So if it was burns over Dillard for me all the way. So um, very definitely agree with the pig. Very, very excited about the pick and just really excited to, to see what he can do when he, when he comes into training camp. Yeah. And you know, I'll tell you, you, you boost my ego a little bit because on the final mock draft that I turned in uh, the day that actually published the night prior to draft day, the first round uh, I did have them take Andre Dillard. But I remember writing it, and Brian Burns was still on the board, and Andre Dillard was right there. And funny enough, I had Brian Burns go to the Giants at 17. Now, I remember thinking, I'm like, if, you know, if it's me, I'm taking, like you said, I'm taking Brian Burns all day. However, yeah. I'm, trying, I'm trying to put myself in, this is where we overthink mock drafts, right? I'm like, if I'm putting myself into the Carolina Panthers, and yeah. what happened with Cam Newton's shoulder, and, and kind of how that whole thing really kind of had a ripple effect throughout the season, I really want to make sure I protect my guy. So that's why I pulled the trigger on Dillard for the Panthers instead of Burns. But then, I mean, the pick comes through, and I remember saying to myself, I'm like, oh, come on, man. It's, it's Ron Rivera, and it's the Panthers. Like, from the from the time the Panthers franchise even existed, defense has always kind of been that undertone for the franchise. Um, yeah. Offense is great. Explosiveness is great. Christian McCaffrey is great. But it's kind of similar with the Buccaneers. Like, if you ask a Buccaneer fan, is this an offensive franchise or a defensive one? It's defense. So yeah. the Brian Burns pick makes a lot of sense. Now, the rest of the class. So for, for Bucks fans who maybe don't know, uh, we'll just run down real quick. Second round, Gregory Little, tackle out of Mississippi, Ole Miss. Uh, third round, Will Greer, quarterback out of West Virginia. Christian Miller out of Alabama. Jordan Scarlett out of Florida, the running back. Dennis Daly, another tackle out of South Carolina. And Terry Godwin, wide receiver out of Georgia. Those are your three day three guys after uh, Will Greer. Out of those guys, Bill, which one's your favorite pick, either for value or for fit or for future? However, you want to gauge it. Which ones you and you, if if you have to pick one guy that's not Brian Burns to be the best draft pick out of your class, who is it? You know, I'm I'm really intrigued with the Christian Miller pick in the fourth round. Uh, Christian Miller out of Alabama, the edge defender, uh, very productive in his senior season. Uh, another guy that really seems to fit what the Panthers can do, a guy that can really come in as one of those pass rush specialists that I talked about before. Um, so, ex- And uh, a perfect fit, I think, for a team that could flip-flop between a 4-3 and a 3-4. He can be uh, that outside linebacker in a 3-4. He can be an outside linebacker in a 4-3. So he, he's got a lot of versatility. Uh, the, the only worry with him was he, he dealt with the injury bug a good bit in, during his time in Alabama. I think he had a... A hamstring injury, I believe his junior year, and then an arm injury actually cost him the national championship game. I think he got injured during the semifinal game in the playoffs last year, and he ended up missing the national title game. But if he's healthy, uh, he and Burns will create two very good pass rushers, in my opinion. I think with, and with the way the Panthers really like to mix up the uh, pass rushers and mix up you know, rotate their defensive ends between those guys and Mario Addison. I'm really going to be intrigued how uh, Miller fits into this. So in the fourth round, I think they got pretty good value. And I remember seeing on Twitter when they made the pick, a lot of people, uh, Josh Norris is the first one that comes to mind that was really excited about the pick. So I, I went back and I, I looked at, looked up his stats a little bit and saw him a little bit. And I, I think the Panthers got a good one here in, in the fourth round. So uh, definitely. 
in my opinion, I think it was a really good idea, especially with the Valley being there for them to double dip at the, uh, at the edge spot. So Miller's going to be exciting to watch, I think. Yeah. And you know, it wasn't this year. I think it was last year. I can't remember who it was exactly, but there was an, a draft analyst out there on, on TV, one of the major networks. Basically there was a, there was a day three Alabama kid who got drafted. He basically said like, you know, third day three, you're drafting for ceiling. We all kind of know that you're drafting for potential yeah. and day three. I mean, if, if you, you, maybe you you covet an Alabama Crimson Tide prospect, but if you don't covet anybody that's currently available on the board, you just go, who's from Bama? Draft that guy. Because those guys pretty much always have ceiling for days. I mean, so you can't go wrong there. Uh, great take on that. They seem to do that all the time, the Redskins. They're always taking Alabama players. Uh, they're, they're, that actually might be a flaw in the, in the, in the, uh, in the theory then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> My favorite pick, Bill, from your draft class outside of Brian Burns is is Greg Little. Um, honestly, man, he's just – I didn't mock him in the first round, but honestly, like, I feel like in any other draft, in any other in any other offseason where I'm mocking guys, Greg Little is a first-round mock guy and, yeah. and probably a first-round guy every other year except for this one. So for the Panthers to grab him there in the second round, and it's pick 37. So, I mean, we're not talking too far outside of the first round, but still – for him to still be on the board and the Panthers to be able to shore up that offensive line a little bit for Cam Newton and Greg Little, that's that's my favorite pick uh, from the rest of your guys' batch. The guy I really wanted to ask you about, though, is Jordan Scarlett out of Florida. So I've seen some mixed reviews. I'm not deep into you know Panthers Twitter or anything like that, but I have seen some mixed reviews about the drafting of Jordan Scarlett. What, what's your feeling about uh, that running back out of Florida being added to the Carolina squad? Yeah, Scarlett seems like he's a nice kind of scat back a nice little compliment to McCaffrey. He's, he was very productive at Florida um, has really shown that he's trying to mature because obviously the big knock for Scarlett, the big red flag was if you guys listening out there, remember the big Florida scandal from a couple of years ago, that big credit card fraud that got Florida into world of trouble and suspended a lot of players. Scarlett was one of those players so that of course cost him the entire that entire season. I think that was 2017. So he lost that entire year, but he bounced back in 2018. I think he had about a thousand or so. I forget the exact number, but he had he had a good number of uh, all-purpose yards for Florida. So in the fifth round, you know, and, and the Panthers really needed a, a second running back. You know, Cameron Artis Payne is, you know, he's nice for what he is as your third back, but. As far as like a compliment to Christian McCaffrey, because even Ron Rivera said at the combine, they are trying to look for ways to not necessarily cut back on McCaffrey's workload, just utilize him better, maybe to keep him fresher. So get some backs yeah. in there to, I guess, give him a little bit of a rest. So, you know, Scarlett could could be that guy, you know, give give Carolina a couple carries a game and keep McCaffrey fresh. So, you know, again, it's fifth round. Like you said, with day three, we're looking for ceiling. And, you know, you've got some potential with Scarlett. And obviously these teams do their homework. You know, they're not going to go into the draft. You know, everybody obviously knows what he did. But from what it seems, everybody at Florida feels that Scarlett learned from his mistake. He's grown from it. He's a much more mature, mature person because of it. So, you know, we'll see when we when he gets the pads on, but I I think it seems like the uh, the the positive potential is outweighing 
what he's done in the past. He definitely seems like he's moving on from what he's done in the past. He's obviously never going to get away from it. It's, it's always going to be behind him, but he's he's definitely moving forward. So I'm I'm going to be intrigued to see what the what the Panthers can get out of Scarlet. Yeah, because I thought I thought it was an interesting pick, and I did not know the credit card story. I remember the scandal. I don't. I didn't remember that he was part of that. His name didn't stand out. Uh, that didn't kind of trigger in my head. Yeah, so, he was part of it. You know, Antonio Callaway was obviously another mm-hmm. one that was. Uh, so, I, so I mean, if there's an example of players that of these players that were part of it and have moved on and grown from it, Antonio Callaway is the perfect example because we saw he had a really good rookie year for the Browns, and he was arguably Florida's top receiver. Yeah, but he ended up being brought down because of that scandal. But sometimes, man, honestly, I mean, like Jordan Scarlett, there's people around him or coaches, or if he just knows, you know, if that doesn't happen, he gets his 2017 season. Maybe he's a third or a second round pick or even a first round pick. Yeah. Sometimes that's enough to kind of kind of drive home the point for some of these kids. And let's be honest, I don't I don't advocate any crimes, obviously, but stolen credit cards. You know, there there's many many things out there that uh, could be done much worse uh, than yeah. that, and. Anytime you put time between those those transgressions, I mean, a year or even two, and no trouble and all that kind of shows that you've, you've probably learned that lesson and you're on a better path. Because I'll tell you, man, when, when I was researching, I told you, uh, so our listeners know I'm putting out a series on, on Bucks Nation to coincide with these podcasts. Uh, obviously, we're talking in greater depth about what, uh, what I wrote about, but this is one of the things. Jordan Scarlett, I mean, I look at like Christian McCaffrey's kind of his own change of pace guy, but... Mm-hmm. Because you want to keep, I mean, that's that's a running back. We all know about the shelf life, all that stuff. So if you're the Carolina Panthers, you obviously want to keep him as healthy as possible for as long as possible. So having a Cameron artist paint out there to kind of take some of that that workload there, and then having a guy like Scarlett who kind of matches that other side of what Christian McCaffrey brings to the field. Like you said, I mean, if it's second and one and we want to go for a screen, you know what? Throw Scarlett out there. See if he can gain that yard. If he doesn't gain that yard, we'll throw Christian back in on third down. But if we yep. can get that second and one, second and two, you know, whatever it is, with with a guy like Jordan, that's one rep that Christian didn't have to take. One tackle he didn't have to take. One hit he didn't have to absorb. So I'm all for it uh, as far as the Panthers are concerned. I'm sure our fans hope it doesn't work and that you know Scarlett doesn't even make it to the practice squad. Uh, uh, but final thing I want to talk about tonight, Bill, uh, before we let you get out of here, and you kind of hit on it already, is the biggest remaining need for the Panthers. So as far as I see it, as a Bucks guy, right from my foxhole here, is that the secondary is your weakest. Like if if I'm looking at how do I beat the Panthers, it's attack the secondary. What do you, what yeah. are your what are your thoughts on the secondary? Yeah, um, it, the only question I had coming out of the draft, or the only surprise I had coming out of the draft, was that they didn't draft a safety. And Marty Herney kind of talked about that at his post draft presser, and he just said the value just didn't match up. You know, the board didn't work out the way he had hoped in terms of picking a safety. That's why they ended up not taking one because. Again, we end up double dipping at defensive end. They double dip at offensive tackle, so they just felt the value was there. Um, but that doesn't. I I still think there's a shot for Rashawn Golden. You know, I, I think you still have to kind of circle his name. Uh, he's he stepped in in place of guys like Denoris Searcy and others after after their injuries. And Golden, I thought was okay. You know, like he kind of held his own, and I think his skill set works in terms of. You know, you've got Eric Reed in there as well, and Eric Reed is one of those versatile guys. And th- this is something else that Rivera alluded to at the combine is that they're going to look at the safety position and kind of, you know, look at Eric Reed's skill skill set, what he's going to do, and then look at the other safeties, kind of see what they're going to do. So it's, it kind of seems like it's going to be pretty interchangeable. So I 
I think Golden's going to get the first shot. Um, I wouldn't be surprised to see them give him some looks at the Nickelback as well, because I I believe Cersei is still there, but um, I, I, I have to believe Golden is still going to be in play for for that opposite uh, starting safety position with Eric Reed. But yeah, you know, there's, there's still some questions, you know, can Golden take that next step if he, you know, if he is given that starting spot and then you look at the corners, you know, Dante Jackson, he had a tremendous rookie season. Is he going to hit that sophomore slump or is he going to take that next step and continue to develop to be a top tier quarterback? And then James Bradbury, he was kind of so, so last year, you know, can he get back to what he was, two, three years ago. So you're right. The The biggest question mark right now, and it's it's been a question for years, it seems like it's never been answered, but the front seven always seems to mask these problems, is the secondary. So that's going to be, those are going to be the battles to watch, I think, in training camp. Definitely interesting stuff to keep an eye on. And I mean, uh, especially when you're looking at the Buccaneers had one of the better passing attacks last year, probably going to stay. I know they lost to Sean, but they've got some other pieces in there. And for the most part, that offense is pretty much intact. So they're still going to be a nice threat. Uh, Jameis put up, you know, 250 yards, two touchdowns last time the Panthers and the Buccaneers saw each other. Now, granted, that was probably about the worst that I've seen Cam shoulder. So, I mean, that offense not really being a threat kind of loosened the atmosphere for the Bucs a little bit. Um, but then you've got Dirk Cutter going back to Atlanta. And, you know, a lot of Falcons fans are excited because Ryan had some of his best years under Dirk Cutter as an offensive coordinator. And then, of course, the Saints. I mean, Drew Brees is on the field. You never know what's going to happen. So definitely very important for every team in the NFC South, but especially the Carolina Panthers, to figure out their secondary. And like you said, the, the front seven has been been able to kind of mask that. I liked your guys' front seven, honestly, coming into the draft. Now that you've added Brian Burns to it, I mean, it's, it's a pretty good-looking uh, defensive front seven. I think that any fan within the NFC South who's not just being a biased uh, fan homer can admit the Carolina Panthers have a very nice front seven. Uh, so, Bill, I mean, anything else to, that you want to let Bucks fans know that they need to be aware of about the Panthers before we get off here? It, it, it's going to be fun. And, you know, it, it's just interesting, you know, because you we were talking about how uh, Buccaneers fans need to keep an eye on the Panthers. I was just thinking the way the schedule's lining up. I mean, two of the, they play both their games in the first six weeks of the season. So there's not a lot of time. You know, if, if you're going to do some, some scouting, it, it, it's coming early. I mean, week and the week two is the Thursday night game. So it's going to come quick. And then the second game is week six. So that that's, that's one of the intriguing things, you know, look, the Panthers will be playing. I mean, I haven't seen the Bucks schedule. I don't know if they have any division, other division games in that early stretch, but I know the Panthers will play both games against the Bucks before they play any other division game. They don't, they don't see another division game until like week 11, I think it is mm. against Atlanta. So, you know, it, it's going to be, it's going to be fun to see, uh, see these early battles with Tampa Bay and of course, you know, the, the new coaching staff. So I, I think it's going to be fun. I think they you know, it's always great games when, when the Panthers and Bucks meet up. So uh, it should be fun, especially early in the season. Yeah, the Panthers definitely going to make their mark on the Buccaneers season uh, very early on, like you said. And then I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm, you know, we're, we're football guys. We, we love kind of every level that has to do with football and, Seeing Ron Rivera go up against Bruce Arians twice a year, I think, is going to be just fun by itself. Yeah. Like the, the chess match is going to go on between those two guys is yeah. going to be great. Uh, but Bill, as always, I mean, thanks for thanks for joining us. Thanks for educating myself and our and our listeners about the Carolina Panthers, folks. If you don't already, please follow Bill. He's he's a, he's a smart football guy in general, 
And again, I mean, you need to know, even if you're a Bucks fan, you need to know what's going on with the Panthers, guys, because this is our this is a division rival. They're an important part of what's hopefully going to be a successful season for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Find him over the Locked On Panthers podcast, the same way you find us. And follow him on Twitter at Bill underscore Rossetti. That's R-I, two C's, one E, two T's, and another E. Of course, read his stuff. Get that intel on that enemy. Go over to the Panthers wire. If you're a Bengals fan or you got a family in Ohio, hit, tell them to go hit up, hit up his stuff at the Bengals wire. Find me on Twitter at DH82 underscore Bucks. If you want to drop a voicemail, our voicemail box is already filling up. You guys are amazing. But if you haven't dropped one yet and you want to, hit us up at 813-444-5841. Listen, we had a voicemail come in today that kind of sounded like it was somebody who would have rather emailed uh, their thoughts, which is fine. LockedOnBucksPodcast at gmail.com. If you'd rather email me your voice file or an email, whatever you want to do, we have no problem reading it on the air. So if you're more comfortable doing it that way, by all means, hit us up like that. Until next time, I hope you enjoyed this. I hope you enjoyed hearing from Bill about the Carolina Panthers. Thank you for joining us right here at Locked On Bucks. Honey deep when I roll like the army Get my bottles, these bottles are lonely It's a moment when I show up, got them saying wow Honey bands in my pocket, it's on